The Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davidson, Lynette's is open for takeaway, noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now, get some Lynette's. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, you know, this has been a very, very strange year as we've been dealing with this uh, COVID lockdown situation, uh, schools being closed. It's been a year, a year, and it's really thrown off a whole lot of things. And one of the things I've not had an opportunity to talk about yet is what this is doing to kids who are preparing for college right now, or anybody preparing for college. There are a lot of different decisions that need to be made, and frankly, those decision timelines are going to be different than perhaps you're used to with your other children or even from your own experience. Well, joining me right now to talk about it is somebody who's been on the program a number of times to talk about these issues. It's Patrick O'Connor. He's the chief strategist and CEO of College Is Yours, which is an organization dedicated to increasing college access and opportunity. He's also been a college counselor for 36 years, many of them at the Cranbrook Kingswood Schools. He's written five books on college counseling, including The College Guide, College is Yours 2.0. He's also the past president of the National Association for College Admissions Counseling. He would be an expert witness in any trial in regards to this that there could be based on those credentials. But he's a frequent guest on the program. Patrick, welcome back. It's a pleasure. Hi, Craig. Great to be here and glad I'm not in court. You know. <laughs> well, you know, you have to establish those bona fides, right, uh, before we get started. But um, this year is really weird. And, and I, you know, we were talking before we began this. Unfortunately, my son's already almost done with college. Uh, I can't imagine trying to navigate the process this year because every school is thrown off a little bit in terms of their decision-making timeline uh, and also the way that they're, you know, basically grading these students as to whether or not they should be admitted. Uh, let's first talk about that part of it, because assessing whether or not a student is a good fit for the university has to be difficult when you don't have in-person interviews, when uh, you've had basically online school for many of these kids for a long time. How are these decisions being made differently this year? Yeah, it's, it is a very different year, Craig. There's no doubt about that. And, and you know, if, if you jump back to where most of us went to school, those decisions were largely based on grades and test scores. Well, number one, most students have not taken the ACT or the SAT this year, and they haven't taken that because they haven't been able to because of COVID. So uh, in response, most colleges, not all, but most colleges, are now not using the SAT or the ACT. Well, your point, they're used to relying on those scores. And so now all of a sudden, what do you do? And then because the kids have been getting grades uh, on courses they've been taking online, that's a whole different environment as well. They can't visit campus. They can't do in-person interviews. This, this is a brand new day for most of these schools. Well, well, let's talk about this for just a second, because one of the discussions we have been having across the country is whether or not it's time to rethink our dependence on SAT and the ACT for college admissions, uh, because, you know, there's been a big discussion about whether or not there's a, a racial disparity there in terms of whether or not kids are getting equal access to the opportunities. 
Yeah, and it's also there's also a huge factor just in terms of plain old socioeconomics, and of course race is big in that in the United States. But any low-income student has always been at a disadvantage when it comes to SAT and ACT. What's interesting, Craig, is that now that everybody has made a lot of colleges have made the jump, uh, many of them are planning on never going back. In fact, there was just an announcement today from a prestigious uh, engineering school that they are not going to use SAT or ACT ever again in admission. So um, this, this is the beginning of a change that probably should have happened a long time ago. But the real question is, now that you don't have that test, what do you do? Um, and uh, many colleges are responding by saying, you know, they're still, they're still relying very heavily on grades, even though the courses were online, they're taking that into consideration. Uh, colleges that use letters of recommendation are using those a little more heavily and certainly the student essays, because this also gives the students the, a chance to talk about COVID and what it's done to them and for them uh, in the last year. So there are some resources that can be done, but, but it's, it, all that said, it's still gonna be a little bit of a crapshoot this year. Well, and, and I wonder how that's impacting the actual length of time it takes to determine uh, which students you want to enroll in your university. Um, because if you aren't, you can't automatically weed people out if they don't have a certain test score, if you're not using them this year. Um, a lot of the standardized tests that the states use to determine those, they were not taken this year as well. Um, what are they going to utilize to determine whether or not these kids are there besides just the letters of recommendation? Um, and is it going to take them longer to make that determination? Yeah, well, um, most colleges that, are, that have gone off without the tests will tell you that grades are still going to be the, one of the biggest factors in terms of making a decision. But that varies from school to school, too. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's where the test scores were in some ways our friend because they provided at least some bellwether of consistency across grading scales. But the good news is that, you know, when I was at Cranbrook, we had, we had an admissions representative at, at Michigan, for example, who had been there for 30 years and really knew Cranbrook. So when they looked at our transcript, they understood what the grades were because they knew the place inside out. Now, that's not the case for everybody, but that's the case more often than you think. So, um, but yeah, there are some places that have announced, usually they're supposed to, to send out their admissions decisions this week or next week. And they've already announced that they won't be doing that until April 15th or so. So in some places, it is taking a little bit longer. In most places, believe it or not, it isn't. And part of that has to do with the fact that the number of students applying to those colleges is down a little bit this year. Uh, we're actually seeing two different scenarios, one where applications are down, and that tends to be at the more regional universities, and, and the opposite situation where applications are way up and that's at those sort of elite top schools that the New York Times talks about all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, that that's an interesting thing. What We've also seen the introduction of the gap year uh, recently. Um, this is something that a lot of students are choosing to do. And it certainly seems as if it might be something that a lot of them choose to do right now, waiting until COVID is cleared, uh, the thing that their campus experience is going to be a more quote unquote normal one. Uh, is that having an impact, you think? It, this year, believe it or not, it didn't all that much. There weren't a lot of students requesting gap years, which, to be honest with you, really surprised me. Um, you know, as, as I look at it now, uh, as we see the vaccine coming more into play, I could see the advantage of waiting out one more year before you begin your, your pursuits at college, because I'm, I'm fairly confident that by next September, not this September, uh, we are going to see a, 
a bit of a more return where most classes will be in person. And particularly to your point, the social side of college will be back to what it used to be. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an increase in the number of students taking gap years this year. What is a little disturbing though, Craig, is that initial reports suggest that low-income students are not applying to college in very big numbers, and that's because the financial aid numbers are low. That's a cause for concern. There's a difference between applying and waiting a year and not applying at all, and we're seeing a lot of the latter, and that's really a cause for concern, especially for those kids. So what's at the root of that? Um, I think we have a lot of students, that they haven't really discovered what the root of it is, but there, I think we have a lot of students who are not interested in doing online learning uh, and know themselves well enough to know that if they don't have the rigor of going to class and the support systems that an in-class uh, situation offers, they feel they won't be very successful. Um, and that's certainly true. Even some of the best students in the country are really struggling with this online format and reaching out for help in different ways because they're used to contacting the person, the instructors in face-to-face -face formats. So, um, so we are seeing a little bit of a hesitancy there, but there's also, we're also going back to the fact that the economy is depressed. Uh, many low-income kids w are, are feeling they need to not go to college because they don't want to put the financial pressure on their family. Patrick O'Connor is my guest right now from College Is Yours. Uh, you know, one of the issues that I think people are going to have, students are, are going to have this year is, you know, getting everything put together. I mean, normally, you know, you'll have graduation parties coming up in June and there's an announcement where they're going to be going to school. They've got the financial aid picture already set up. That may be delayed a little bit this this year, especially when it comes to the financial aid side of things. Uh, you know, and it's not it's not normal for people to be waiting sometimes until July, August to have all that stuff sorted out when classes begin right after Labor Day. That's going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah. What, what we're anticipating, Craig, you're absolutely right. Uh, what we're anticipating is that a number of financial aid packages will not be settled until later on. Uh, and there's a, a the basic reason for that is because, you know, once a college offers admission to a student and they offer them an aid package, uh, if that student says no, and we're expecting more students to say no this year, uh, if that student says no to that offer of admission, that frees up their aid money for somebody else. Well, it's going to take some time to redistribute that money. And so that's where we may be looking at students being invited to be uh, to uh, different aid packages in July or August, or maybe even as late as July or August before they're offered admission uh, and they're taken off what's called the wait list. So, we can see that uh, that this process is probably going to could drag on a little bit more into the summer this year, which would be very different from past years. Yeah, true, uh, and and uh, again, completely different from from when I was in college. But uh, you know, I do want to ask you a little bit about you know we're talking about seniors and people who are getting ready to go to college this year. But you know, I was told growing up that the most important year in high school in terms of performance, if you wanted to get into the school of your choice, was your junior year. Uh, and the kids who lost their junior year to COVID, um, you know, it it seems to me that I don't know if that's going to create a disadvantage for them. Uh, because there's some really important courses that are there. Uh, your grades are really particularly important in your junior year, and colleges pay attention to that stuff. Uh, how should they be approaching this right now, knowing that you know this quote-unquote important year uh, has really sort of been completely different? Yeah, it, it really has been, and, and my heart goes out to those students because many of them were looking forward to, to really taking on the challenge of junior year. 
the good news is that this is somewhat of a universal problem. Uh, this isn't just kids in Detroit. It's not just kids in Michigan. Students all over the United States, all over the world, are dealing with the same limitations. And so uh, the good news is that having read a year of applicants from seniors whose junior year was partially affected by this, most colleges will now start to develop uh, a more familiar pattern in terms of how to respond to juniors who have lost their entire year. So um, many colleges are including a specific essay question saying, how do you think COVID changed your, your high school experience? Uh, and sometimes that question is optional. I would strongly encourage students to answer that question and be as specific as possible. And don't limit it to just school. If your family has had to deal with, uh, if you're caring for a loved one who's ill, if you're dealing with economic situations, put that information in the essay as well. You wanna give them a comprehensive picture of what your life was like as a result of this, uh, of COVID. Uh, well, and, and how important is it for the universities to recognize that that academic experience they may have had, especially if it's been remote for the bulk of that time, may not have met the traditional standards uh, in terms of quality of education um, that they're used to from these various schools, uh, and, and the rigor may be different there. Do the colleges recognize that these students may have some catch-up that they're going to need to do at some point? Well, I would certainly say that, that the good news there is that our colleges are sensitive to what the needs of their students are and, and recognize that there, there may be some lap. Um, you know, the, the gap between in-person and online courses, I would say is diminishing over time and that's really good news. I mean, let's face it, Craig, you know, a year ago, you know, you said it's been a year. A, a year ago, basically we told every teacher in the United States, well, you're gonna go to online instruction in a week and basically gave them minimal training. So yeah, I think we gotta cut our teachers a little slack here. Online. I teach online and it's not nearly the same as an in-person experience. So that gap is diminishing, but I think the colleges recognize that it, they're gonna have to beef up their student support efforts, uh, provide additional office hours, provide additional support and mentoring for these students as they transition back into uh, an academically rigorous course at college that may just be a little bit more than they're used to as a result of COVID. Sure, but as far as something to tell students who are concerned that what happened to them in their junior and senior year is going to negatively impact their ability to get into their school of choice, is that something they need to be worried about? I don't think so. I, again, because this is a universal effect, uh, my advice to my students has always been the same, which is, you know, you, you need to do your best. Do the, be the very best you can in the most challenging courses that are available to you. Um, We've long had to deal with the reality that there are some schools that offer lots of AP courses and some high schools that offer none at all. So the colleges are used to dealing with students from very different backgrounds. We just have to make sure that the students and the schools are explaining very clearly what those differences now look like as a result of COVID. And I think they can trust that the admissions office will continue to make good decisions. But again, keep in mind, everybody's been affected by this, not just a handful of students, so that's gonna create a more level playing field as a result as well. I wouldn't encourage a student to change their application list just because they feel they haven't been challenged in high school. Sure. Uh, Patrick, though, you know, getting sort of back to what we talked about at the beginning here, um, you know, everything has been altered as a result of this. It may seem like a one-time sort of blip uh, in terms of timing this year, 
But as far as the admissions process going forward, there already, as we said, were some changes that were on the way. What do you think the colleges have learned from this experience about what they need to do differently in terms of, of figuring out which students are going to be good fits? Yeah, well, I think certainly they're going to learn an awful lot as soon as they find out how many students said no when they were offered a yes. Um, and it really is, as, as you mentioned earlier, it really is sort of a two-pronged factor. Uh, one is what's life going to be like without test scores. And I think, you know, keep in mind that about 1,300 colleges in the United States have not used test scores for about 10 years. So many of them are now used to this and have actually helped other colleges learn how to make decisions without them. So that's a change that was a long time coming. I think this, the second one, however, is, is a little more difficult to gauge, and that's student interest in the college itself. Um, if, you, if you don't visit their high school, if they can't visit your campus, how do you really know they're, they're truly interested in your school and will come if they're offered admission? That's the X factor that I think they need to continue to develop. Hopefully, as, again, as the, uh, as the COVID shots uh, expand throughout the United States, we're gonna get back to a little more situation normal where students can visit campuses. But for now, that's the big X factor that I think colleges are really dealing with this year. Well, this is sort of off the beaten path a little bit, and maybe not your area of expertise, but we have seen shrinking enrollment at a number of smaller colleges around the state and, and really, frankly, around the country. It's it's something that a lot of small liberal arts schools are seeing, especially private schools. Uh, what do they need to do differently to become attractive to students again? Well, <clears throat> to me, uh, I think I think the real key there, Craig, is um, they, they, you know, the, the social factor of college cannot be underestimated. And in fact, uh, my good friend at, at Michigan State University, John Ambrose says, whenever he talks to any adult about college, they never talk about the classes they take, they talk about <laughs> the friends they made, the experiences they had. And so I, I think appealing to that social side, that's, that's really the bigger piece. These small colleges, many of them, are, have excellent academic reputations. But the question is, especially in COVID, what's going on on campus? What's available socially? Uh, what, what are the dynamics there that, that really make me want to go there? Um, that's, that's the factor that I think, for some reason, our smaller brothers and sisters are experiencing more so than the larger uh, state institutions. And so I think promoting that end of things would go a long way towards convincing students that there's still a viable option. Well, and it also seems that one of the advantages they may have, if, it, if you're talking about academics, it is a smaller class size, uh, which studies have shown time and time again is, is a much better way to do things than having 300 kids jammed in a lecture hall. Uh, you know, how, how do you sort of factor that in and get people to, to consider that as one of the options there? Because financial aid typically is available at private schools in, in levels that might not be available uh, in public universities, especially with the budget crunches that these schools are seeing. Um, you know, you've got the possibility of going to a private school for less than a state school in many instances. Yep, that's, that's very much the case, Craig, and especially this year. And if I could for just a second, I will come back to your question. Sure. Let, let me just offer a piece of advice for any family that's been admitted admission and is applying for financial aid. And this advice, is, I always give it, but this year in particular, call the financial aid office and make sure they completely understand your financial aid situation. Uh, with all these students who have been admitted who are saying no, many of those students have financial aid packages. 
Once they say no, that frees up that money and somebody else has got to get that money. It might as well be you. But the only way that happens is if you call the office. I had a dad last week who called the financial aid office at their son's first choice school. He had he, he, he didn't call to ask for more money. He just wanted to make sure they understood his financial aid situation. Well, before he could even ask his question, the financial aid officer gave him $10,000 more every year. Wow. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's, that's an indication that the colleges really are worried that folks just aren't gonna show up in the fall. So uh, again, if you've been admitted and you've received a financial aid package, the financial aid office is gonna be your best friend from here on in. You might not get $10,000, but the call is free. You might as well give it a shot. I think is is really important. So, yeah. um, so that that would be my advice to all families who get a yes who are going on financial aid. Don't take that package for granted. It's time to make some calls and see what can happen for you. Well, and it also certainly seems as if uh, you know you're also um, counseling people to be somewhat patient here, in that there it is going to take a little bit longer this year to get everything worked out. And and if you're not completely settled by August, that's not going to be unusual. Yep, it's uh, it, it really isn't, and of course, this is you know the hardest thing for any of us to do is wait. The hardest thing for any seventeen-year-old is really to wait. So, I can understand how you know you want to get the sweatshirt, you want to put notices on Facebook about where you're going. I, I get that that's an important part of your transition to college, but at the same time, if that dream school isn't quite giving you what you want, um, a, a little bit of patience may give you exactly what you want as long as you're willing to put up with it until the summer. Yeah, fascinating times that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, if this leads to a transition in the way that we, uh, you know, look at kids and whether or not they'd be a good fit at certain schools, I, I think I think it's time to do that. Well, uh, and you know, Craig, just to say real quickly, I-, I We've I got time, go ahead, Patrick. The colleges have really heard that message loud and clear. Uh, and many of them are taking some opportunities to make some important changes. Uh, in, in terms of how they see students and how they recruit students, especially low-income students. Uh, in fact, uh, many of them are changing their financial aid policies now where, where they required multiple forms, they're gonna go down to one, uh, where they required one form that had up to 100 questions about financial aid. Uh, they're now reducing those to 20 or 30. Um, there, there could be some really great things happening as a result of this. It, I'm sorry it took this for that to happen, but these are long-standing needs that are finally getting resolved, and that's good to see. Absolutely. Uh, if we'll, we'll end it on a positive note then. Patrick O'Connor of College is Yours, we certainly appreciate you being with us today, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Craig. Patrick O'Connor, Chief Strategist and CEO of College is Yours, an organization that is dedicated to increasing college access and opportunity. He's a frequent guest on the program. We always appreciate hearing from him. And thank you for joining me for the program today. I always appreciate you being here and downloading it and telling your friends and subscribing and all that wonderful stuff that goes along with it. Interviews like this are exactly what I love to do, and I've got some more coming up. I should be speaking to Karen McDonald, the new Oakland County prosecutor, a little bit later on this week. That should be a good conversation. And also a conversation with an attorney who deals with tax issues, but who's also taking a, a deep dive look into the differences that this COVID relief package is going to make. It's, it's going to have a massive impact 
on so many of the ways that we think about public assistance and, and other things. Should be a good conversation coming up a little bit later on this week, and I hope you can join me for that. Don't forget, every Friday, it's the week that was on Deadline Detroit. We always have a good time there, and hopefully you can join us for that each and every Friday. We do it live on Facebook at 1130, and of course, I make it available as a podcast and also on DeadlineDetroit.com a little bit after it airs live. So join us any way you can. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Don't forget, send me an email, Show at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear. Have a good one, everybody. Looking for the latest news and information about our great city of Detroit? Head to DeadlineDetroit.com for one-stop shopping for the most important stories of the day. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in town, providing original reporting, videos, and podcasts that keep you in the know about everything happening in Detroit. Become a member today, and you'll automatically be entered into a drawing for prizes, including gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Go to DeadlineDetroit.com slash membership.